session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest books or topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 310-441-0555. Before I begin, wanted to make another announcement for my seminar this Sunday, just a few days away, Sunday, May 20th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Olympic Collection. The seminar will be on communication for parenting and relationships, and tickets are available at the door for $40. Again, that's this Sunday, May 20th, 1 to 4 p.m., and I'm really excited about this seminar to talk about communication, uh, which is so important, but also especially in these most important relationships that we have in our lives. So hope to see you this Sunday. And related to communication, I talked a lot on Monday's show about the book from the past week, which was Difficult Conversations by Douglas Stone, Bruce Patton, and Sheila Heen. And definitely, uh, again, wanted to recommend that book. And there was one element of the book that I didn't mention, or there's so many, of course, because even in an hour show, I can't talk about the whole book, um, but that I didn't talk about Monday that I did want to mention today. And this is something that they call the and stance. So... The and stance means that what I think and what you think, they both can be true. I think this and you think that. Not I think this but you think that or I think this and I'm right and you think that and you're wrong. They can both be happening at the same time. And as they talk about when we're having these difficult conversations, it's very important to have this and stance to try to include all the information, not just between you and me, but even actually within myself, because I might have my own conflicting thoughts and feelings. I feel upset that you did that, but I also feel happy that you are trying to help me, for example, or I am nervous about taking this job but I'm also excited because I think it's a good step and a job I've always wanted to have. So we have a lot of ands going on within us and between us, but far too often we try to break things up into false dichotomies, either or, black or white, and this can be a a big problem because it's not the reality of the situation. And so... This and idea, I think, is very important, not just when it comes to difficult conversations, but in all aspects of life, looking more for the and rather than the but or the one has to be right, one has to be wrong. We also do this when it comes to people. We think this person is all good or all bad. 
end, I was talking about borderline personality disorder, where it's part of the pathology is there's this devaluation or idealization that is done to people that is common with people who have borderline personality disorder, but we all do it to varying degrees. And we all can find ourselves saying, well, this person is an amazing woman, so they didn't do that bad thing because it's all or nothing. Either they're a good person and we idealize them and they're so perfect, there isn't room for them to also be bad or make a mistake or do something wrong, immoral, unethical, whatever it might be. But the truth of the matter is we are all ands. We're not purely good people. We're not purely bad people. We make mistakes. We do things right. We help people. We hurt people. All sorts of things. We're all and. But if we look at people as just black and white, whether that person is ourself or someone else, we're missing a lot of the equation, both in really understanding them and even allowing them to be fully who they are. So sometimes even we see this with some people where, oh, this person is so funny, I we say I can't take them seriously. You maybe have thought that about yourself or seen that about yourself or thought that about someone else. And I've seen that happen before, someone who's making a lot of jokes, the funny person, even the comedian potentially, can have this idea that, oh, we can't take them seriously, they're just funny. And we only see that aspect of who they are. But that's not fair to them. Now, it's very possible and very likely that this person uses humor as a defense mechanism, uses humor as a way to express feelings in this indirect, veiled way that feels safer than expressing them directly. So if they're angry, they can make sarcastic jokes or make fun of someone, and this is a way to express that anger in a safe and acceptable way. Or if they're feeling insecure, they can say it as a joke, making it safer than being vulnerable and expressing that insecurity directly. So they likely are using it and exaggerating that part of who they are, and so they are playing a big part of that being how they are seen. But at the same time, when we look at them, we have to understand that although we might not see or they might not show us other aspects of themselves, we know they exist. We know that this person is an and. They are funny and they're very good at making jokes and have a great sense of humor. And they're also sad sometimes. And they sometimes can be serious, want to be serious and need to be serious. And I can give them that. So it's the and that is important. People aren't just one thing. And even when I watch movies or TV shows, we know it's very common. There's characters that have a certain thing or they're always this kind of guy or that kind of girl or whatever it might be. But most of the time when you see a movie or TV show and you really can relate to the characters, it's when we see that they're more complex. The good guy has a bad side to him too or does some bad things sometimes. The good mother sometimes can feel bad about their kid in a way that we wouldn't assume a good mother would feel, let's say. We see more of the complexity of who the person is. And so we have to allow for people to express all of their ands, all of who they are, and not try to limit them. Because one of the reasons why we do that is it feels safer for us. I know you. Oh, you are always nice. You are always funny. You are always this. You are always that. And that way there's no anxiety for me to not know what you're going to do next or how you're going to respond to me or what you're going to say to me because I know you fully.
This is similar to what Stephen Mitchell talks about in romantic relationships, where we make our partner boring because we trade that stability for passion. We trade the idea of, I always know what you're going to do, who you are fully, and because of that, you're boring to me, for the truth, which is actually that I could never fully know you, and because of that, to some level, you will always be unpredictable to me, you're unknown to me, but which would actually keep the passion alive. So we trade stability for passion. We accept boredom rather than accepting the unknown, which is scarier to us. And so we do this not just in romantic relationships, but in general. It's a lot easier just to think you're always this or that. And we do that with public figures too. This politician who I like has to be all good. The ones I don't like have to be all bad, which is not the case. The politician you like, maybe you like some of her ideas, maybe you think she's going to be a good candidate. That could even be true, but she's not all good. She can make mistakes and does make mistakes. And even all of her ideas aren't good. Sometimes people do that too. They think, well, if I like this candidate, anything he or she says, I have to agree with. And anything the opponent says, I have to disagree with. And any ideas they have, I have to wholeheartedly accept as the truth. But that's not the case. You can really like someone. You can think they're a really good candidate and disagree with them on some issues, but still think they're the best candidate. That's probably closer to the truth. And of course, when we look at, it's not just candidates, it's becoming the way that we look at politics in general. Anything that my team says, I have to fully agree with. I can't disagree with any of the points that are part of our platform, and I have to fully disagree with the other side and think that it's purely wrong, immoral, crazy, whatever else it might be. None of which is true. There's much more and going on. I like what this candidate is saying and some of the things she says I don't like or I disagree on most of the things they're saying, but I do agree, and I do agree with some of what they're saying. So we have to have both sides of that. But coming back to communication, when we want to have those difficult conversations, if we come from a place of me versus you, or I have the truth and you don't, or what I have to say matters, what you have to say doesn't, or we have to figure out who's right or wrong, we miss much more of the complexity of the situation which is there are these ands that are going on. I'm upset and you're upset. That's usually what's happening. It's not just I have feelings. You have feelings too. And the same interaction, even though I feel wronged by you, it's very likely that you also feel wronged by me in some way, either by what I did or my reaction or whatever it might be. They are both happening. And we have to accept that they're both happening. Or I have some good ideas about whatever the situation is, and you have some good ideas too. It's not that I have good ideas, you have stupid ones, or I have the right ones, you have the wrong ones. We both can have good ideas. And not only that, I have my experience of what happened, and you have your experience, and they might be different in some ways. Neither one of them is the truth, and neither one of them is a lie. They are both our experiences, and there has to be space for those ands in order to have good communication. So when it comes to talking to your kid about something that you think is important, you might think, I know the truth and she's stupid and I have to just get her to see I'm right. Okay, you have some wisdom you think or experience that you have and your child has their experience and their feelings about the situation and they both are important and need to be talked about. But when we say that only what I have to say is important, then you don't really have communication. 
you don't really have a conversation. You have at best a lecture or at worst some kind of blow up or fight. And that's it. So we have to be more aware of the ands in life in general, the ands of people, the ands of ideas. They're not just black or white. But also when it comes to communication, and I'll talk a bit about this on Sunday, if we want to have a productive conversation, if we want to talk about things and get somewhere with the conversation, we have to be willing to look at and accept all sides and acknowledge that I have something to say, I have feelings about this, I have my identity issues that come up, but so does the person I'm talking to, and those are equally important. And until I try to understand those, we're not going to get anywhere. And until I accept that they matter, we're not going to get anywhere in this conversation. So we have to have that and stance in order to manage and have good, effective uh, communication and good, effective, difficult conversations. So again, the seminar is this Sunday, May 20th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Olympic Collection, talking about communication for parenting and relationships. Tickets are available for $40 at the door, really hoping to see you there because I think it'll be a great day. And uh, I'll be doing another seminar in June that I'll announce sometime soon. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fatty Delacqui. We'll be right back. Back studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Thanks for calling. Thank you for answering. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm calling to ask about the decision that I'm about to make, and I want to know uh, what way would be less damaging for my two-year-old son. Okay. So I have a husband which has problems with anger management. And about a week ago, he slapped me in the face in front of my son. Mm. And uh, he's unrestrained order. He cannot see me at the moment. But I have to decide if I want to get back with him or just leave him. Now I want to know which one is more damaging for my son. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that sounds like you're definitely in a not, not so good situation with what just happened. Yeah. That's uh, very painful, obviously, to experience that, and then, of course, now having to make this decision of what to do going forward is a big mm-hmm. one, and of course, it's one that you're going to have to make yourself, but I'm more than happy to talk to you about the issues involved to hopefully help you in making that decision. Um, was this the first time he had been physically violent no, towards no. you? No, he had done it twice before, Okay. Uh, two years ago, and then another one four years ago. Okay. So, and you guys have just the one son? I'm sorry? You have just one child? There's no other kids? Yes. Okay. No, that's only my son. Yeah. Okay. And how long have you guys been married? Uh, we've been married for eight years, but I sponsored him to bring him from Iran, and it took about a year. So we have been living together in the same house for seven years. Okay. 
Um, and then how old are you and how old is he? I'm 38 and he's 38 as well. Okay. Um, okay. So for yourself right now, what do you want to do? I want to leave him. I okay. don't want to get back to him unless I realize that this is the best for my son. Well, you know, um, in general, having a conflictual marriage, you know, every case is going to be unique, but overall the research shows that that's going to be worse than having a divorce, especially if the divorce can be done amicably. But in this case, especially when we're talking about physical violence, that's mm -hmm. even worse, and that's going to be more extreme and have more negative effects. And, of course, when there's domestic violence, if there's a kind of physical confrontation, it obviously means everything else in the marriage is not going to be good, too. So it's more than just that. It's the whole the whole thing together is that it's, it's going to be a very negative marriage that's going to have a negative impact on your kids. So um, if you have no desire to make it work, which I can understand, um, or to see him try to get help to deal with his anger and the issues that are going on there, um, it seems like no matter what, this is going to be difficult for you, but definitely on your son, already has been, for him to have witnessed that is... is is not okay and very hurtful and i assume the law in canada is the same but in the united states a child witnessing domestic violence is considered child abuse or and it can be reason for the child even to be removed from the home or for a parent to lose their right to see the child and you're saying there's a restraining order so um, there's a reason why that's the case because it, it is so harmful on the child so, well, the restraint, um, restraint order is about me. He cannot see me or contact me, but okay. he has every right to see our son, which is concerning for me. If I divorce him, him and his mom, which are the, the roots of the problem, are going to be the ones sharing the parenting with me. Okay. And I can understand you don't want that. So we're clearly in a situation where you're trying to choose between bad or worse or the make the best of a bad situation, uh, which mm -hmm. means no matter what you decide, it's not going to feel great. There's going to be parts about it you're not going to like. And so we have to be ready for that, that whatever you choose, some things about it won't, won't be uh, pleasant or won't be nice and won't be easy. Um, but it, it seems like you're pretty clear that you don't think this marriage can work and you don't want to be with him. Uh, from my side, about okay. my feeling, yes, I do not want to be with Okay, you don't think, you don't have hope that he can change and you don't want to make it work with him? Um, no, um, as far as it's, well, okay, so if, if I see that it would help my son, I would. But when, my, when I don't think about my son and he's not in the picture, then no. Okay. And the, you know, I don't know if it's, I want to call it good news, but the, maybe the good thing is more than likely you doing the best thing for you will also be the best thing for your son. So if you don't want to be in this marriage and you don't have hope that it's going to get better, and especially it seems like you think he might act this way again, act out in this way, then mm -hmm. that would also be better for your son not to experience those things too. And staying together just for the kid doesn't work. As I always like to say, mm -hmm. you don't stay together for the kids. You can work together for the kids. So we can, you can't, but people, when they say stay together for the kids, usually what they mean is, okay, this marriage is bad. It's 
you know, we fight, we do this, we do that, but we won't get divorced because of the kids. We'll just accept things as they are until the kids go to college or whatever some later date is. That's not okay. You can say, because of the kids, we're going to work so hard, go to therapy, go to our own individual therapy, couples therapy, work on this marriage to make it work for the kids. That makes sense. But just staying in a home where you're saying you don't have hope that he's going to change or things get better or you want to make it work with him, to me, that's not going to be a good decision. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, it's it's going to be tough. And, of course, if you do make that decision, then, of course, you have to try to minimize the damage um, going forward, which there's a lot there. But, you know, I don't necessarily want to jump ahead because I don't know if you've made that first choice yet. Uh, so what's what's your thinking on this? Where, what do you get concerned about when you when you're not sure? Because you're saying on one hand you're very sure you don't want to be with him. It seems like you're saying if it's better for your child, you want to stay together. What makes you feel or think that it would be better to stay together? Well, um, staying together, um, I thought that I would because uh, we have to be separated for one year, and I thought within that year, if he's willing to seek therapy. And I would be involved in that therapy so that he would uh, be able to handle certain things that he cannot talk about or think about. Um, then maybe it would be better for my son if we stay together. But if he's going to be as stubborn as he's been so far, not wanting to see a psychologist or getting any professional help, mm-hmm. then I would definitely have nothing to do with him anymore. Okay. Well, I, I think that's what you're saying makes sense. You know, if he's not willing to get help and make some pretty big changes there's no way we can accept what's happening now for you just as a wife and then of course mm-hmm. uh, as a marriage you guys have for the kids and then the, for the child and what you're creating for the child so absolutely i think um i think what you're saying makes sense and it's not about giving him a, a threat or an ultimatum but letting him understand the reality of the situation that what's mm-hmm. happening right now can't continue and things have to change in order for us to, to continue does he um is does he say he doesn't think he has an issue or he doesn't want to go to therapy or sometimes when people say they don't believe in therapy well he doesn't think he has an issue for number one second he doesn't think that he doesn't believe in any sort of therapy so um, when he says when you say he doesn't believe he has an issue does he say when i've hit you it's been because you've done something that's provoked me yes yes okay it's always me the read i am the reason that he does things that he's not supposed to mm-hmm. and to him. and so i'm very much in favor or believe that um when we look at almost any disagreement or interaction both people play a part and my guess is you played mm-hmm. a part in the argument but him crossing that line is not ever acceptable and we always have to be responsible for that so I'm sure you play a part in the arguments you guys have, and you maybe even of do course, some things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but oh, him crossing that line, that. yeah, and but him crossing that line, especially in front of your child, but mm-hmm. just in general, it's never acceptable. We can't cross that line. Just like you know, maybe there's things you you might cross lines too. I don't know, like by saying disrespectful things, or he might say them. Those are also not okay. But there's certain lines we just can't cross because they're not okay. They're going to be poisonous to a relationship. They're violating the other person and all, all of those types of things. So that's always our responsibility, but it seems like from what you're saying, he hasn't taken responsibility for his actions. No. 
Okay, and that's uh, itself a bad sign. Um, many people who have issues with anger, especially if they're violent, they they say, you know, even when they describe their anger, they say, you can't believe how angry he made me or she made me, as if they were completely not part of the equation. And their, their, their actions were just a response that was natural based on the circumstances, not saying, I can't believe how angry I got, or I can't believe how I reacted and what I did, which is very different. So there isn't this ownership that I've played a part in it. And it seems like he um, is thinking in that way, that if he does get angry, it's because of your fault that you've wronged him or pushed him or provoked him, and he's not in any way responsible. That's a bad starting point. You know, if he had some level of remorse and insight into his wrongdoing, then I would be more hopeful too. But when you say he only sees his violence as a reaction to you and you're at fault, we're definitely at a bad starting point. Um, so that's unfortunate. You can still, you know, people can change and he might come to see his side or recognize he needs to make some changes. But, you know, you can't hold your breath either. You can just let him know and, and see what he says. Mm-hmm. But that, that's, a, that's a difficult situation. And, um, you know, I, I hope you recognize that most things that are the best for you will be the best for your kid also. Because if you're suffering and if you're afraid of your husband or, you know, living in any kind of fear, that's not going to be a good environment for your child. He's not going to feel safe and secure in that home. It's much better for him to be in two secure homes. Now, I get the feeling you're saying you're not sure how uh, good things will be with him and his, your husband and his mom, and that I don't know. But having this type of home where you're not going to be feeling safe, your son is going to be absorbing all of that tension and anxiety. And even if there is any no more violent uh, incidents, which I hope there isn't, um, still it would have an effect. So we have to be aware of that. Sure. So what, what, where are you, you know, when it comes to making this decision, is there something, do you have a time frame for yourself or have you thought about what you want to do or what the next steps are? Well, um, he's, as I said, on restraint order, so he cannot contact me. Mm-hmm. And then because of the slapping, yeah. uh, he is going to criminal, he has some criminal charges he has to take care of. And I guess after that's done, we need to go to family courts and uh, decide about the separation and uh, all of that. Hmm. Okay. Well, it's going to be, a, you know, whatever path you take, like I said, it's none of them are going to be easy. And taking care of yourself is going to be a big part of this. Now, if he wants to change and go to therapy, there's all of that, but also yourself going to therapy and taking care of you, again, that's going to be one of the best things you can do for your son. So I'd highly recommend that too, whether it's, recommended or required by the court or not i don't know but either way i would say go to your own therapy to deal with what you're going through and that'll help you take care of your son the best way you can also yes definitely i'm already looking for a psychologist good good. very good happy to hear that but yeah again sorry to hear you're in that situation all right thank you yeah anything else that was all. Okay, Thank good. You. All right. Well, good luck to you. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. 
All right, we're going into our next commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Yes, hello. Yes, hi. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Sure, thanks for calling. Thank you. Uh, I have a general question regarding uh, what's your opinion on long-distance relationship and if you are pro with that. Okay. Now, usually when someone has a general question that they say in a way they have no actual interest in, it usually means it's something very personal to them. So is this personally relevant to you in some way? a 23-year-old son that he's been talking to this girl over in Canada and it's been only talking on the phone for the last three months and he feels like uh, he, she's going to be the one and uh, I don't agree with that. So I just want to ask you what's your uh, best advice on uh, this kind of a relationship because uh, I don't agree with it. Okay. Um, well, so first in the general, when you say, what's my opinion on long distance relationships, if I'm pro, there's not a lot of things that I'm purely pro or against and long distance relationships would definitely fall in that category. So it's not that I'm anti long distance relationships and no one should have them. And it's not that I'm pro and you should definitely have it. It's something that it's going to be a unique type of, obviously, case by case, but we also want to look at the generals that we have to look at. So if you're having a long-distance relationship, you do have to make some more efforts to get to know each other. Um, generally speaking, it's going to take longer to get to know each other, uh, and you have to make sure you have ample face-to-face -face contact as well to make up for that because what also can happen in long distance relationships is there can be a more of a tendency to idealize one another and to idealize the relationship. Um, so we have to be aware of this. So basically what I'm trying to say, and I will say is long distance relationships aren't all bad and it doesn't mean they can't work out, but we have to be aware of some things that can happen and try to protect against those things or take these precautions. So there is more of a tendency to idealize because when we only get to communicate here and there and for brief periods, it's a lot easier for us to show a certain side of ourselves, or more specifically to show the good side of ourselves and to not show some of the more bad sides or the things we think someone else won't like. So just like when we go on a first date and we want to try to be as real as we can, but we know most people are presenting a better version of themselves or the best version of themselves. Um, when it comes to a long distance relationship, it's easier for this facade to be preserved for a longer period of time. So we have to be aware of that, that uh, we get to know someone through texts and phone calls and FaceTime and it feels really nice, but we don't really fully know them yet or don't fully know all of them. Um, you know, someone can be in a long distance relationship and then when they talk at the end of the night, the person only shares the things that they think the other person is going to like and the other person thinks, oh my God, she's great or he's great, but they don't really know them yet or maybe don't know the other things that were going on in their day that maybe they didn't like. Um, and so on top of that, we can 
idealize the relationship because see we get along so well we don't fight we don't argue but when you're in a long distance relationship uh, there's a lot less to argue about at times there can be frustrations and people do argue but you avoid a lot of the things that happen when you are interacting face to face making plans together experiencing things together experiencing long periods of time together where you might start to get annoyed or bothered by each other or have a disagreement about something. So we have to be aware of the tendency that we all have to idealize in general, as I touched upon in the first segment, but that we uh, amplify or can become more likely to happen in a long-distance relationship. And so because of that, we do want to make sure um, we spend time together in person because if we don't, then we won't really see what we have. And even with that, what can be hard is sometimes people, they only get together once every, let's say, couple weeks or month or less than that, and it's for two days, and they're doing all this really fun stuff, and because it's such a short period of time, they don't really get into arguments, or even when they have some feelings come up, they think, well, gosh, I haven't seen him for four weeks, so I don't want to bring anything up right now. Let's just make this fun. Let's enjoy our time together. And so they hold a lot of things in and they don't have a lot of the conversations they maybe need to have. So unfortunately, this furthers this idealization or furthers some of these feelings of false intimacy or the fact that we don't really know what we've got here. So there's a lot that can happen in a long distance relationship that we have to be aware of. And another thing I'll also mention, um, since you're asking more generally, if you're someone who almost exclusively gets into long-distance relationships or tends to only get into long-distance relationships, this could be an indication that you have some fear or concern of intimacy and the distance feels safe for you. So you kind of like the person being far away. You might not consciously even be aware of this. So consciously you might keep saying, oh, look at my luck. I keep ending up with these guys or these girls that live so far away and it's so tough and I want to be close to them. I want to connect to them. I want to hug them. But really you actually don't. You are feeling safer by creating that space. We can create it emotionally but if we have it physically that can create a type of safeguard that we don't have to worry about being that close so something else to think about yourself or someone you're dating if they're in a way a serial long distance relationship person there could be something there that they're choosing long distance because it is safer in a way and gives them a way to not have to create the intimacy that they might be afraid of now more specifically looking at what you were talking at that was a lot of generals what what are some issues you have or concerns you have? Uh, my concerns are about my 23-year-old, and uh -huh. he's in another state uh, for the grad school, and I feel like he basically gets more emotionally attacked by just speaking on the phone, because this is not his first time that he always comes home and um, like always thinks, oh, this is the one, this is the right girl, and blah, blah, blah. And um, for me, it's just like I want to open his eyes to that this is not the way to try to find the person that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, my my uh, priority, and I, I know it's his decision, mm -hmm. he is uh, doing a PhD, so he needs to focus on his studies. I'm not saying not have anybody in your life, but I preferably 
uh, would advise him to have someone that it is in the same town or school that it makes it easier like as you said if the person gets mad you don't know you're not going to show it on the phone or like even if you travel and i am not uh, pro long distance relationship based on the experience that i had before in my teens days and in my days back home but uh, personally when the person is uh, um, available to you, you can see how they interact with uh, uh, people, how, I mean, it could be as easy as something like as a smell. Maybe you won't like the smell of the person. I mean, a lot of things are into that, that he can see if it's, uh, the, the person is physically available or in the same town or even in the same country. Not, not same country. I prefer like somebody that you can be reachable to. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's sounds very well. People fall in love on internet based on just like talking, cyber, and chattings and all those kind of stuff. So my job as a mother, I, I'm not trying to interfere in his life and make a decision, but my life, my, my job is to open up his eyes that this doesn't work like this and you're only 23. And the other thing that I try to, uh, I, actually I want to have this question from you that in the male versus female, uh, I want to know, isn't it like um, at 20, when you are 23, um, by the time you are like 27, 28, your mentality and the way of your brain has developed towards a lot of um, issues and uh, looks uh, about how you look at the things differently all, because I have seen how he was thinking at age 18, 19 about this girl, and he was thinking, this is the girl, and now after two, three years, he says, thank God I didn't move forward, but right now... With a I different end, girl. With a different girl, uh-huh, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and with this girl that only has been talking... If he tells me, no, this is the one, how much more mature I can get between now and while I'm like uh, 27, 28, or 30. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that there is a big difference, and uh, based on the studies that I have read myself, I know girls mature more sooner than the guys, but I want to know your opinion about, like, isn't that true that the guys really, uh, they're, brain develop up i mean till 30 then after 30 is not that much of the like basically at 30 is the good age i'm not putting an age but it's like the maturity because based on the experience that i've seen he laughs at the things that he did two years ago and i tell him two years from now you will be laughing at what things that you were doing right now and putting yourself through Mm -hmm. well so you know to answer your question yes i think from a younger age even girls mature faster than boys in a lot of ways, including emotionally. Um, but what I'm hearing in what you are saying, as much as saying, I want to open his eyes, I want to open his eyes, which can be good, but even that can be, you know, you can't take someone's eyelids and separate them and say, I'm going to open your eyes. They have to choose to open their eyes. But it also seems like you don't want to just open his eyes. You want to give him your eyes, or you want him to see what you see. And that can be a problem because uh, you know less of what you guys are having appear to be conversations where you're both trying to understand each other but it's more you especially trying to persuade him to think a certain way to make certain decisions and to see things the way you see them and i think as long as you approach the conversations in that way rather than allowing him the space to open up to you and communicate with you and connect with you you're going to either push him away or even when you have the conversations, 
you're going to force him to withhold his own thoughts and feelings about a lot of things because he has to now go into defense mode. He can't just tell you what he's thinking because if he says even one slightly negative thing, you're probably going to jump on it and say, see, I told you this is what I was saying. This is why you should do this. This is why I'm saying X, Y, and Z. So even if something is on his mind, you're not giving him the space. So I've seen this a lot with a lot of uh, families and Persian families and lots of families can be very, give a lot of, put a lot of pressure on the kids about who to marry or who not to marry. And they can be so anti a relationship or it going forward in some way. And, you know, they can threaten to disown or cut off financially or tell them you're ashamed or whatever it is. But they put this negative uh, feeling and put a big pressure on them not to be with that person that their son or daughter, even if they want to talk to them about concerns they have, now they won't. I've even seen it where they can talk about what's going on with someone else, but they won't tell their parents because if they say, well, I'm kind of worried about the relationship too, but my parents are so against it already, I feel like I can't tell them. They're going to just jump on me and say, I told you so, and say, this is even more reason why you have to break up. And so I can't even have a conversation with them and they feel very alone. And if anything, they push them more towards that person because they feel very isolated. They feel alone. They feel like they don't have emotional support and they turn more to this person that is available to them. So in how you're talking, even when you ask me your questions, it seems like you're asking them in a way where you want me to give you a certain answer to then have the ammunition to then go back to your son and tell him, see, even he said I'm right, or even he said you should do this. So do what I'm saying. So the way I'm hearing you talk about it doesn't sound like you're having conversations. They seem more like you're sitting him down and telling him, I know better, you should do what I'm saying. So what do you suggest? Well, I'm, what I'm suggesting is, you know, having a conversation with him, which means it goes back and forth, which means that when he tells you what he thinks or feels, you don't think immediately I have to give a rebuttal and knock it down or shut down what he's saying and show him that he's wrong in how he's thinking or feeling. You want to try to understand it because if you keep making him feel like anything he says is going to be shot down, well, then he's not going to want to tell you much. It makes it harder for him to be open with you. And so this is going to be true with all of us. If, if someone wants to tell us about, you know, I think I made a mistake yesterday. And as soon as they say that, we say, I can't believe you did this. And for an hour, get mad at them. Well, the next time they are in the same situation, they might, they're probably not going to want to tell us. So as long as you make it that you are... I'm right, you're wrong, you, what you're thinking is not right, it's going to make every conversation you guys have a debate. And that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for conversations, communication. And at the end, it is going to be his decision. So we have to allow him to think clearly and freely. And even if you want to be a part of that process, you have to be part of the process, but not the decision maker. And you can say, I don't want to make the decision for him, but you do want to make the decision for him. Any decision other than what you think right now, you're not going to be happy with, and you're not going to want to accept. Yeah, but if I see clearly that he's uh, been through this before, and later on he appreciated and he thanked me actually in person, that thank you for doing this, and making uh, points out that I wasn't looking at it at that time because I was so much involved with it, uh, I, I mean, I know how he is. And uh, for me, I mean, for him, both of us, me and my husband, by the way, my husband is American and I'm Persian, and uh, of course it makes him half and half. He knows that we are very open 
minded family like we always had like talked to them i took all the classes that i wanted and seminars and all with your mm-hmm. dear dad but but the thing is that that's how he is he he first gets into it and then when i because if i don't say it to him you have to see these things he never will have that um kind of a look at that situation but i don't know if he never will we're not maybe giving him that choice but let's say i mean i'm going to kind of uh make some things up but you married an american man you said right yes I'm okay. very happily good and, I'm uh, s- it, it's like wonderful enough for better great no and i'm not in any way against that but what i was going to say is let's say your parents you dated an american man before him let's say and they said, oh, because he's American, you shouldn't be with him. Actually, and we my, know. My mom was the one that wanted, actually, me to marry American because the brought up that I was back home, it was more towards, like, a Western okay. type. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, so, style. like I said, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of making my own story up using some of your information. But let's just say you dated an American guy. Your parents are like, American is not okay. You have to marry Persian. It's not right. And let's say you break up with that person. And then afterwards, like, you know what? You guys were right. Like, he wasn't the right guy. And they say, see? And then now you date another American guy. And they're like, oh, see? Remember what we told you last time? You can't be with this person. But it turns out this person was the right person for you. I understand what you're So what you're my saying. point is you're saying because one time I told you, I always know what's right for you. And you're saying as much as you're saying he's allowed to make the decision, you're telling me he's not smart enough to make the decision. I have to make it for him. Yeah, but then when the pressure comes from the other side, I don't want him well, to get pressurized. And he has to stand up and say, I am not going right, to give a date and a time to any right, relationship. But he's so not going to stand up. He, mm-hmm. No one can stand up by you grabbing their feet and lifting them up. They have to stand up with their own two feet. And you have to empower him, which means give him more. What you're basically saying is because there's pressure from the other side, I have to push hard on this side too. But that, all that does is lead to the bubble bursting or an explosion. If you want him to stand up, you have to show him that what he thinks and feels matters. Not go stand up to them because I think this. That's not going to work. He has to stand up because he thinks something. So as much as you think I know and because I know I have to make him see what I know and feel what I know and know what I know, until he actually feels it from within himself, he won't be able to stand up. And... The more you interact with him in a way that's putting him down, putting down what he thinks and he feels, well, how dare he stand up to anyone else? You're showing him you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're thinking. You don't know what you're doing. So how could he be confident standing up to someone else when you're constantly telling him you don't know, you don't know what to think, you don't have the experience, you don't have it, but then stand up to some other people? It's, not, it's giving him mixed messages. You're saying, never stand up to me, but stand up to the rest of the world. It doesn't work like that. You have to show him that even with you, his opinion, his, his thoughts, his ideas are very much valued and are equal to yours and can be different, and that's okay, but that you're going to always value them. So if you want him to value his thoughts, feelings, ideas to someone else, you have to start valuing them and how you interact with him. If you keep telling him you're stupid, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what's right. Remember last time, I know what's right, you're wrong, I'm right, you're wrong. But then when you talk to them, tell them you're right. You've told him he's wrong a thousand times. Now you want him to be confident that he's right. It's not going to work. But do you suggest also like our opinion matters? I mean, he knows that our opinion matters. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Your opinion can matter, but it's an opinion. But I don't think you see your opinion as an opinion. You see it as truth. You see it as, I know, it's not an opinion. You don't tell me it as an opinion. You say, I know this is wrong. How do I get him out of this? 
and you could even be right. I don't know the situation to tell you, and we don't know that we don't have a crystal ball to say what the situation is going to be. But what I'm saying is, you don't present it as an opinion; you present it as truth. And again, you're constantly putting his ability to think on his own down, and that's no way to teach someone to stand up for themselves. So when you do talk to him about the issue, make it a conversation. When he says something, don't quickly give him a rebuttal. Hear him out. Say, what do you think? I'm so in love with her. Oh, really? Okay, tell me more. What do you like? Not, well, you might like her now, but you're not going to like her in two years. Because you don't even know that. You might, he might love her more in two years. But yeah, people change. They, that's true. But give him some space to think and feel. And, and don't get so caught up in the moment of, okay, he's saying he loves her. I have to quickly tear that down. But let me hear what he has to say. This decision isn't going to be made in a moment anyway. So give him some space. But recognize the ways that you're giving him a lot of conflicting messages. And that you're saying, I want you to trust yourself but don't when it comes to me, but to everyone else do that. That's not going to work. So it has to be more of a, con make sure you're having conversations with him, not lectures or debates. Okay. I will do. I mean, we, we talk about a lot of everything. And Good. He values my opinions, and he always tries to... Uh, keep me and his dad uh, happy and but well that's a problem though i mean he shouldn't have to try to keep you guys happy no i mean like he considers the things that we 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 want like i mean i know i mean it's like he, he he's a very caring person that he he's not gonna like you know i mean if he sees something is wrong just because he likes it he goes for it and, but you're uh, you're saying just because you like it he should do it no, I'm that, not saying that. I'm saying, like, you can just come and decide for rest of, I mean, to say, like, in three months. When, talk, when it, I know, but when said. it comes to his life, he can come and decide. No, I'm not deciding for him, but I'm saying, like, in three months, you cannot... But I, I want to hear your own words. You person, okay, that's, that's... I know, but the way you said the sentence, he can't just come and decide. He, He's going to make the decisions himself. But Yes. I think you're missing the part where you think, you even said he's a good, you almost in a way said he's a good boy, he listens to mom and dad. No, I'm saying, yes, that, that, that's... But that's not a good, that's not, first of all, that could be, even, even that's not even a good boy, in my opinion, but it's definitely not a good man or a good woman to just Yeah, listen. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Farsi and translating it in English, but... But, but I'm, still, I'm, but how does that work in Farsi? Like, <laughs> that's the same thing to me. What's the difference? That's still saying he's good because he listens to me, and he's bad when he doesn't listen to no, me. No, I never say that, that he's bad and he doesn't listen to me. But, but I you, am, you, yeah, you're like, saying that, you might not say it explicitly, but you're implicitly saying it over and over again. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say also, you cannot come to me and within like three months that you haven't even seen the person. Say, well, he oh, can. First of all, he can. You might disagree with it. He can do whatever he wants. He can say, I'm marrying someone I met yesterday. I'm not saying I agree with the decision, but he can. You keep sure, saying he can't. He can um, say, I met this girl yesterday. We went and eloped, and now we're married. This is your daughter-in-law. I'm not agreeing with the decision. But when you're telling me he can't, I don't agree with that can't. Uh, so then maybe I'm, I'm, I, I am, I'm not agreeing with that. Correct. I'm sure. Well, that, like but there's a lot, he can make a lot of decisions you don't agree with. He can make thousands of them you don't agree with, just like you can make thousands he doesn't agree with. He's his own person. He can say, Mom, I like to study this now. I want to do this or I want to do that. You might not like it. You might make a different decision if you were him. That's fine. So, okay, that's your decision to make. 
And who he marries, of course, is his decision. But my point is the more you try to control what he does, the more you might even push him in the other way and the less you're going to make him feel that he can make his own decisions. The less you make him confident in himself, the less he can believe in himself. You can't tell someone, look, when we're talking, I'm always right. But when you're with everyone else, always believe in yourself. You're so smart. How can I tell you that? How can I say you're so smart and brilliant and think so well and go tell them what you think, but when you talk to me, I'm always right? It doesn't work. It's just like me saying, you know, when I'm out with you, the world is such a safe, easy place, but I'm not there. It's so scary and dangerous and meteors might hit you. It doesn't work. You can't have both. So if you tell him he should believe in himself and trust himself, you have to show him that. Show him that his opinion matters to you. Show him that he might know things you don't know, that his perspective is equally as valuable as yours. Then, over time, he can learn, okay, when I talk to other people, I can stick up for myself more. But you can't do both. You can't always win every argument with him, but then with everyone else, he's going to be this strong guy. Okay. I will keep that in mind, but um, still I, I see stuff in him that... Uh, I have to still say what I think and feel. Well, like I said, you, you're allowed to have that, although I would, you know, always we want our advice to be solicited rather than unsolicited. We want to have, like I said, for me, it's about having conversations. I'm not saying now whatever your son says is right and he's never going to make a mistake. First of all, he has to make mistakes and sometimes fall and, and sometimes fail, and that's okay. Although I understand this is a big decision, so I'm not saying, oh, okay, just get married, let's see what happens. I'm not saying that either. But my point is, even if he's wrong, we have to let him. And this is why we want to do this from a younger age. Let kids fall and make mistakes. And, oh, you didn't do your homework. Let's see the consequences. Experience it rather than always trying to protect them, which a lot of parents think their job is to protect their kids from pain. But no, your, kid, your job is to help your kids grow and develop and become reliant and become have a realistic relationship with the world. Where, oh, you didn't do your work. Oh, you might get a consequence. Let's see. Okay. What do you think? Let's learn from this. Not, oh, you didn't do your homework. I'm going to figure out a way to get it done for you, or I'll talk to your teacher so you don't get any negative consequence. That's actually not loving our kids. So from a younger age, we need them to have these little bumps and bruises to see that things don't always go well. Sometimes they fail, sometimes they fall, but they figure it out. Life doesn't end, they move on. But having conversations is, for me, very important. That's something in my seminar on Sunday I'm going to talk about, is how important it is to actually have conversations, especially when it comes to parents and their kids, rather than lectures or debates conversation means there's a back and forth what you say matters what you say is valued your opinion is important your thoughts and feelings are all important as are mine and we can have a conversation but it's not that i have something important to say and you have to listen to me that's not going to be a conversation okay and what time is your seminar on sunday sunday 1 p.m and for a while, it's still like four hours it's three hours one to three four hours. p.m yeah Okay, we will be there. Okay, thank great. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Nice talking. You have a great day. Thank you. You did Bye-bye. Bye. All right, going to our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. back studio number three one zero four four one zero five 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 you know the previous caller a lot of different issues came up and i don't want to specifically talk about what we were talking about or their issue um 
because always if I talk about someone, I wanted to be with there on the line so we can have a back and forth. But something that I did mention in talking to her, I think is worth emphasizing because this is true with so many parents, this idea that they feel they need to prevent their kids from feeling pain. And their role is to eliminate or at least minimize any kind of negative feeling or pain and only have their kids be happy. And this mindset and this frame of mind leads to lots of ways that we hurt our kids. Because if my philosophy is my job is to make sure you don't feel pain, then I'm going to avoid a lot of the growth or I'm going to prevent a lot of the growth that you need to do as a developing individual. So the example I was giving to her, which is a very common one, kid comes into your room at you know midnight and says, oh my God, mom, dad, I had this project and I totally put it off and it's due tomorrow. And a lot of parents think because I love my kid, because I don't want my kid to go there tomorrow and be embarrassed or have a bad grade. And even, you know, parents can get so caught up in grades and their kid is like in fifth grade and they think this is going to affect their future. And so we have to make sure he doesn't get a bad grade or she doesn't get a bad grade. So I'm going to stay up and do the project with them until five in the morning. And more than likely the kid falls asleep after a little while and you're doing it on your own, but you make it all good. And, you know, you try to make it look like he did it or whatever. And then they go to anything. I'm such a good mom or dad. I, I kept my kid from getting hurt. I saved them. And this is more about us than it is about them. We don't like how it feels because we can't tolerate sadness or pain or any negative feeling. And so we can't imagine our kid can, or that it's good for them. And again, being a good parent means I'm preventing their pain. How can I let my kid face pain? That means I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad dad. Only a horrible father or mother would let their kid experience pain when they can prevent it. And that's not the case when we're talking about these kinds of things. Yes, if your kid is cold and you're outside and you have their jacket, you give it to them. I'm not saying make them face pain unnecessarily, but the real pains of life and experiences that they're going to have, we actually want to give them those experiences because they need to learn and grow from them. So when your kid doesn't have their project done and look, if a kid comes to you at midnight and says, I have this big project, do we know they probably had that project assigned for a while and they've procrastinated, they put it off. And all of us have done that, of course. So I'm not saying we should shame someone for doing that. But there's a consequence that we pay when we do that. We have to recognize that that's the reality. And so we might think we're helping them, but you're actually hurting your child by eliminating the pain. Same thing parents do when their kids get into arguments or disagreements with their friends. We try to come in and swoop in and solve it for them. Oh, you got to fight in your, with your friend? Oh, no, no. Let me call his mom and we're going to make it okay. Or let's even remove that kid from your class or let's change your class or I'm going to go tell the principal to do something about it. Rather than saying, okay, you didn't like what happened. Well, what do you want to do about it? You're hurt by what they said. I'm, you can empathize with them and absolutely I think you should. I can see how you didn't like that. Oh, that made you upset. I can understand. But now what do you want to do? But so often parents think they have to just remove the issue that they think is the problem. Oh, you don't like your teacher? We're switching classes. Oh, you don't like the teacher? We're switching schools. We'll move cities. We'll make a fake address so we can send you to some other school because we're not, you don't, you're not have to be at the class with someone you don't like, your teacher you don't like, which is in so many ways bad for them. First of all, teaching them this idea that when something is bad in your life, just remove it. 
just eliminated, which in most cases, it's not going to be how things work. You're at a job. You don't like something about it. Tough. You have to figure out a way to make it work. If it's a coworker, you might have to talk about them. If it's your boss, you still might have to talk about them, even if you feel like you don't have the power, which the book Difficult Conversations talks about those situations as well. But you're going to have to face the situation. Most things in life, we can't just eliminate, remove, just make them disappear. So you're teaching them, first of all, that, that if you don't like something, make it disappear. And two, we don't show them that, you know, you can work through things. Things can get tough, but then they can get better. You can have a fight with someone and then talk about it and resolve things and actually become even closer because of it. A fight doesn't mean the end of a relationship. If that were the case, no relationship could last very long because it's inevitably going to come up that you have a disagreement or a fight. So let's teach them that that's okay. Oh, you and Billy got into a fight? Wow, you know, you and Billy are really good friends, so I'm wondering what happened. And they tell you the story and this and say, okay, so what do you want to do? What do you think would be the best thing to do? And not, I'm going to talk to Billy's mom or I'm going to solve it for you. Sometimes they might need your support. You might have to be involved. So I'm not saying completely abandon them, but don't try to take control of the situation because your goal is just to remove the pain and to eliminate any negative feeling or hardship that they're experiencing. Show them that actually, you know what, maybe let's try to, you know, I can see how upset you are. So make sure you really empathize with your kid first. Cause what a lot of parents can do is they jump too quickly to the other person's side. That's another negative issue. Stay with them and then say, okay, but let's think, what do you think happened from Billy's side too? And try to explain, okay, oh, so you said that to him. Maybe he didn't like that. And then, you know, what I think is really good is if you and him could talk, what do you think? And then explore that issue and then have your kid learn to try to resolve that issue on their own. And it might not even work out. Your kid might go and try to talk to Billy and Billy's even more mean to him and says, oh, you're a wuss for wanting to come talk or you're a this or a that. It might even go worse. So you might even create a situation where more pain is there. But then now you can talk about it some more. Wow, that must have really hurt that you were trying to actually make things better and he even got more mean or he didn't even let you have the conversation to express how you were feeling. I could see how that really bothered you. But I think it's so great that you tried to solve things or you tried to make things better, even if he didn't respond well. But I think that's the important part, that you tried to make it better. I'm so proud of you for trying to talk to him. It's not easy to do that. And we reinforce the idea of you can change things in your life. You can make things better. You can make the effort that actually leads to things being better rather than if you don't like something, run. If you don't like something, make it go away in some way because that's not how life works. So we have to let our kids face the bumps and bruises of life, the hardships, face the consequences of things that happen to them. That's true love. True love is not preventing pain because preventing pain is a way of also preventing growth. If you want to go to the gym and build some muscles, there's no way you can build your muscles without some pain. The adage of no pain, no gain is true. There has to be those microscopic tears that you have that then makes your muscles stronger when it recovers. There's no way to say, hey, I just want to get very strong without feeling any discomfort at all. It doesn't happen. It's not possible. Anyone sells you that idea, you know it's not the truth. The same is true for our emotional and mental strength. There has to be some pain. There has to be some challenges, hardships, failures that come about that then build the resilience where strength comes from. So if you truly love your kids, preventing pain is not showing them love. It's actually taking away their ability to grow.
All right, we reached our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Uh, hi, Dr. Halakli. Hi. I, talked, uh, I called you before, like a couple of months ago, and talked about my son's issue that uh, he was dating. He's still dating, actually, an older girl. And you, I listened to your advice. You said just, you know, just make him comfortable, let him talk with you, and um, just don't be, like, so, uh, I don't know how to say that, just don't be so negative all the time. But um, and I did that, and uh, we we have a very very good relationship together, and he knows that I still deep in my heart I disagree with this relationship. It's not just because she's seven eight years older. She's not like uh, I, I just I don't I don't have to say that, but it's just like he she is not our type of uh, I don't know. How to say that just don't be so judgmental and I know I've been so judgmental but But if you're being judgmental it's better for you to be realistic about it than to try to say it in a a nice way I do tell him that I feel feel so bad I feel so judgmental she she has a lot of tattoos in her arms and and, uh, so anyhow so is that I mean when you say so like I said uh, I know you're saying I don't want to say, but if you're going to be realistic with yourself, and hopefully while we're talking, that'll be better to be more realistic what's going on. What are the reasons you judge her? So you said tattoos. What else? Okay. She was also abandoned when she was a girl. She, her father left, and she was raised with uh, just a single mom, and her, her mom wasn't really... Like not into her, she was. Uh, she raised herself basically okay. by herself. But uh, she got her education, and uh, and uh, she's she she got her bachelor degree, and now she applied to go to uh, for master degree, and that's uh, that's now that they. My son. That sounds great. Heard, yes, that's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the thing is that it just. She's way older than my son. My son is 30. How old is, how old is he? He's 30, and my son... And, and, I mean, he's 30, and, my, and she's uh, 40. Okay. So you said 8 years, so more like 10 years. Well, okay. I thought it was 10. They, they, in the beginning, she said they said 10, and now you say 8, 6, 7... You see, to be honest with you, I'm not sure what she's a kid yet. I think she's saying that. <laughs> unless, unless he's aging and she's not, her age is staying exactly the same. I don't see how that would change. But nonetheless, okay, like a Benjamin Button situation. But nonetheless, yeah, exactly. okay, with some kind of age gap um, is definitely there. At least six, seven years, maybe anywhere to ten. But that, that seems odd to me that it's not clear. Okay. Yeah. But it, well, in the beginning, he said, okay, seriously, in the beginning, he said 10, but now he say, I think because he bought, he wants me to make feel a little bit maybe better, he said, well, he's, she's only like six, seven years old older. I don't I mean, if I you, I mean not that okay. it, it does matter to a degree, obviously, but you can just ask him exactly, you know, what is, what is her date of birth? When, how old is she today? Even if you don't get a date of birth, it'll give you a range of about a year. So if he says she's 39, then you know, okay, it's anywhere from eight to nine years. Like it gives you, but if he keeps saying 
it, it, we're not talking about like a, a stock market price where it's going to be going up and down and we have to look at fluctuations. We're talking about an actual number that's, you know, very, it's going to be the same, the distance between their age. Anyway, nonetheless, there's some gap there. You're not happy about that, but also you don't really accept her. You mentioned the tattoos. You said she's adopted, um, which being adopted can lead to... Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not sorry. Oh, no, no, she wasn't adopted. No, no. I thought I heard you she say that. Maybe adopted. I adopted. I felt she was adopted. No, not adopted. She was adopted. I mean, her father left very Sorry, what? Age. She was adopted? Abandoned? She, yes, yes, abandoned. Oh, abandoned. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Oh, abandoned. not adopted. Okay. Well, no, yeah, it seems no, no, like she... So oh, you're no. concerned about her troubled uh, childhood. She had a difficult... But it seems like from her ch- troubled childhood, you know, she's done remarkably well for herself, at least in education career-wise, getting her bachelor's and now her master's. But nonetheless, that itself wouldn't mean her and your son are a good match. But um, I think it's admirable what she's accomplished based if you're saying her childhood was troubled, but okay. Um, but your concern is the age is definitely a big part of it. Now, what is your son even saying he wants with the relationship? Do, are they, do they want to get married? Does he want kids? What, what's going on there? No, he doesn't. He said he doesn't want to get married. He okay. just, he just like her as a companion. He doesn't want kids. So that's her. She doesn't want a kid as well. Okay. And uh, they're going to live together now. Okay. And uh, and uh, I, 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 I agree. I agree with you when you said that it's not my life and it's his decision. And I do, and I just, I don't say anything anymore. I just listen to what he tells me, what's the procedure, what is it, what are they going to do? They're going to find a place to move together. But uh, it's eating me inside, doctor. That's my problem. So what's eating you, know? you inside? Just, I feel like I was a failure. So why do you keep him? You, fe- you feel like a failure? Yes. I, I raise him that way that why would he pick up somebody? Why would he choose someone that much older than him? Well, I don't know. Although, again, the that much, we don't even know how much of that much is. But um, I don't know if it, first of all, I don't know if what he's doing is even failing or doing something really bad. Um, when someone says they don't want to have get married or have kids, I'm not saying everyone should. But I think it's always important for someone to look at. That's for him to do. You can't really figure it out for him. What's there that makes them not want to have those things? in their life they can make that choice but they need to understand it what's keeping them she had a very painful childhood very often people who had painful childhoods don't want to bring another child to experience that or they don't have a pleasant view or this idea of being a parent is not something they want so it could be related to that but with him i don't know but that's something i'd want him to look at even something you could talk about with him um if you want if he's open to it uh, but that's something i'd want to look at look at but to me you're not a failure but that that's your own judgment you're putting on yourself you're talking about being judgmental about this girl but you're judging yourself that i'm a bad mom i'm a bad mom because my son is with the woman who's older than him and has tattoos uh that okay that's the thing that i think uh not a bad mom. I, I didn't make that way, but just like, where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? That uh, he started getting tattoos as well too. But he's a he's a he's an educated guy. He has his. She's uh, an educated education. girl, from what you're saying. Yeah, she she just he he has. She the re- has the reason why I stopped you there is because it sounds like you're saying people with tattoos are bad, but my son is different. 
rather than realizing I thought people who had tattoos were bad and then maybe my son having them makes me realize oh maybe people who have tattoos aren't bad about same bad doctor but you know it's a culture it's a taboo I That's what, no I, 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 I get that you. no you're right I understand and I've you seen know, that taboo but I'm saying you know it, it almost it, what you said was my son has tattoos but he's very educated so you're saying Having tattoos means you're bad or there's things associated with that. But my son isn't those things. So he's okay. Rather than having a more nuanced view of, you know, and it takes time. I understand it's in our culture and you're, you're feeling that culturally. This idea I had about people having tattoos meant they're bad or maybe whatever it is, not educated or low class or whatever else it was that you thought about that. But, you know, now my son has it and also seeing other people, I realize it's not necessarily the case. This assumption I had proves is being proved to me that is not true that someone who has a tattoo has to be uneducated or this or that and i'm coming around to that now it might take time and it still might automatically come up for you that tattoo means these things but you can see that maybe this assumption wasn't true what you thought was not the case uh you know to be honest with you having a tattoo it's like, a, it's like a one or two. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but I tell you the truth, I'd be embarrassed to, like, if in front of the, my family or my friends, to, like, be with, just, like, say, okay, this is, I don't want to, even, like, my, my son comes home, I don't like, I, he doesn't show off his tattoos with me for the family. It, it's, it, I, I, I do understand your point. Uh, I do, and I didn't say that they're bad, but it's embarrassing for me. Well, I mean, but that means you think they're bad, obviously. I mean, something, uh, things that aren't bad don't embarrass us. And I'm not trying to tell you don't feel this, don't think that, but I want you just to see that. Even, I mean, you're saying your son having tattoos is something that's hard for you to accept. Maybe even part uh, of what you're yeah, saying is not yeah. just where did I go wrong, he's with her. Where yeah. did I go wrong that he has tattoos and... Yeah. Yes, exactly. Where did I go wrong? Exactly, doctor. Where did I go wrong? Because neither of anybody in my family has a tattoo. Or like, or his friends, that at least a childhood friend. You know what I said? Those are things that I keep asking myself, that what should I have done differently that he, but, it, but when I talk with him, okay, that's what it's just, mom, I like this thing. It's just like an uh, art my body or uh, with her he always says that oh with the, about the kids he would say that well because kids don't want to work I, I'm just I don't want to have kids for a lot of, I just I can't do it it's, it's a lot of work so well I it talk. is that is realistic that it is a lot of work and because of that someone has to want to have it so much that they're willing to do the work and change their life around and be ready for the sacrifices it takes but because to them it has to be worth it and he's maybe telling us right now he doesn't feel like it's worth it to him or he doesn't see it being worth it for him and that's his choice to make and i'd much rather him not have a kid if he doesn't want to have it and not have it because he thinks it's social convention and he should when he doesn't if he doesn't want to have a child um, but i think rather than focusing on this girl and i know maybe in a way she represents the quote-unquote ways he went wrong or the ways you failed as a parent i would look more at you and your son and how you feel about him because it seems like you have also a lot of judgments about him not just this girl and that's going to get in the way of your relationship 
with him and how you feel about him. And also in this case, it seems like how you feel about yourself as a mom. Because to me, I, I don't know. I'm sure as any mom or any dad, you've made mistakes. You did things that weren't good. You could have done things better. But it seems like you did a lot right. And you're having a hard time coming to terms with a lot of your own uh, feelings about yourself as a mom and your son and who he is. Yes, that's true. So I'd be less focused on this this girl um, who your son is choosing to be with and maybe they have a good relationship. And the, I don't remember what exactly what I said, but for me, as I was talking about the previous caller and just in general, it's all to me about having conversations, meaning there's an open flow of, con of information and feelings and thoughts and ideas where both sides feel like they can express themselves and not have to either hold back or be afraid to share what they're thinking or feeling or feel judged. And that's something that it's good that you're acknowledging these judgments you have, because if they're there, we all have them. We can all want to say, I'm not judgmental. I have no prejudices, but that's not true of anyone. We all have them. It's good to be aware of them. So then you can address them and face them. But it's more about, for me, trying to understand what you really think and feel about your son. And then related to that, how you feel as a, about yourself as a parent. And to you, they're very much connected. But that's something I think I'd focus on. I'd focus less on this girl. Yeah, that's, well, that, that's, that's true what he's saying. But I do have an open relationship with him. We can talk. Good. All the time. I mean, we talk every week. And he always shares everything with me. I always share with him. It's just like I'm always like, I don't want to bring, I don't want, I'm so afraid to talk about the situation, like, you know, he's going to move, they're going to move together, they're going to live together. And it, I'm so afraid that what if he will one day ask me, or oh, can I bring her home? Because he lives in another state. He's and never, You've have you met her before? No, 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 I have not met her. Do you, you don't want to meet her? No, I don't. How long have they been together? Uh, now, I think it's a year. Wow, okay. How far? Yeah. How far do they live? I mean, you don't have to give me specific miles, but I mean, is how it far do they live? like how do far they is he from? Is it that he doesn't come home much, or is it that you don't want her to come home? Maybe that's really oh, more no, my no, question. Goes, no, no, he goes to he, he he lives in another state. He goes to school in another state. He lives up in uh, New York area. Okay, but I mean, why. is it that you don't want her to come? Uh, actually, I would ever want her to come, but. Did I you say never? Yeah, well, okay. I, I would say never, but I, I, I just don't know what even, if I see her, how, I just, I feel so uncomfortable, doctor. I don't know how to explain this. It's like even my husband is worse than me. Well, that, that's that's maybe we're talking about. You know, I want to talk some more because, um, you know, this is a, a lot of parents might relate in different ways to what you're going through. But I want to give us some more time to talk. So hold on the line. We'll talk after the break, okay? Okay, okay. Sure. All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with a caller. Let's go back to her now. Caller, are you still there? I am here. Okay. So before the break... Um, at the end of the call, we're talking about your son coming with his girlfriend that you and your husband both uh, don't really approve of. 
to visit and you said you were very against that and you said your husband is even worse. When you say he's even worse, you mean in not accepting her or not being okay yes. with the relationship? Okay. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, the, the thing is, my husband even doesn't talk with my son about her. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, they, they have never talked uh, about her. They yeah, but I, mean, but I mean, the thing is when you tell me, and I know maybe you and him talk, but when you talk about being close with someone, when we don't accept something that's such a big part of their life, um, it definitely is a big block and interference in the closeness, you know, because my guess is if he, he's living with her, you said, right? Uh, they will in a couple of months. Okay. So either way, I mean, if that's the case, they are really close. She's a big part of his life. And so if every time he's talking to you, 40% of his life he can't even talk about with you, well, of course, there's a lot missing, and there's only so much closeness that can be had. So you and your husband not accepting this relationship, and I'm not saying it as if it's a light switch, and now that I'm saying accept it, it's going to change automatically. It's going to be a process. But the more you guys don't accept this relationship, the more it interferes in your relationship with your son. And also, the less you accept this relationship it's not likely going to make it less likely your son stays with her from what we've seen anyway and generally what's the case. So a lot of parents almost feel that by meeting her, I'm legitimizing the relationship or by meeting her, I'm giving my approval of the relationship or by meeting her, I'm actually saying, I think you should be with this person. And those are all bad things, but that's not the case. You're saying you're choosing to be with someone you um, are important to us and what's important in your life and who is important in your life is also going to be important to us. So we want to meet her. We're not giving a stamp of approval. We're not saying we've evaluated the relationship and we're giving you a go ahead. We just want to meet her because she's a big part of your life and even give yourself a chance to really get to know her because it seems like a lot of where you're coming from are judgments. The age difference I can understand. And I mean, it's kind of funny that the way you talked about it, we don't know exactly how many years, but nonetheless, I can understand a concern there. But you don't really, you haven't even given this girl a chance to see what's there. Or even when you say you talk to your son about her and he talks to you, you're starting with very little information. You don't know this girl. So how can you give her him feedback about the relationship when you don't know much, when you haven't even given yourself a chance to meet her? Maybe you meet her and even more strongly you believe what you believe. Or maybe you meet her and you're like, oh, you know what? Actually, I think she's really good for him. Or I can see what he likes about her. Or I can see that they can be a good match or whatever else. And then your conversations with him could be even more meaningful because there is, first of all, you understand her more, you know her more. And he also sees that you care to let her in. And that'll probably mean a lot to him. And so... I think you and your husband need to think about how you guys are treating him. You know, I've seen this. It's a different situation, but in families that have, a, let's say, a gay son or a lesbian daughter, where they say, oh, no, no, we fully accept their their lifestyle. But, but then when you say, well, can they bring their boyfriend over? They say, oh, no, no way. We'll never let that happen. So there's levels of acceptance. Now, some people disown their kids. And that's horrible when they come out of the closet and that's really sad but that still unfortunately does happen so yes it's not that bad but it doesn't mean you're fully accepting because fully accepting means i accept all of it i accept that you're dating i accept who you're dating i want to meet them just like i would if you were straight so in this case although you're saying you accept the relationship to a degree you're not really accepting it fully because 
her coming to visit is considered unacceptable. And your son gets that message, so he doesn't feel like you're fully, definitely not fully accepting the relationship, but you're also not fully accepting him. And the way you talk about the tattoos and the fact that your son has tattoos, there's even more ways that it seems like you don't accept him. And when you say even like, where did I go wrong? It's kind of like, why did my son become this thing? Or why did he become different from us or different from the people that we are, quote unquote? Like where you said something about her not being that kind of a person or whatever it was like our family. But it's almost like you're saying your son also isn't those things. And that's what I'm also concerned that you're telling your son somehow he's not acceptable as he is. Yeah, you're right. I do. I, I, I agree, Doctor. I, I agree because uh, I, I do I agree with you. Thanks. Exactly. But what, what, that my question is that how, what is the best way to deal with this? With, I just like Accepted if he, but that, that's exactly what you said. I always think if he breaks your home one day, this would just say, just it just shows that okay, we agree that okay, that's everything is fine and we are okay, whatever you want to do. But, but the, on the other hand, I know that he can do whatever he wants to do because mm -hmm. he's an adult, is what it. So, this way, at least, if we always have an open door and he can always. I always wanted to to feel comfortable coming toward us. Yeah, and well, that's what we want. And and my guess is, if you let him into your home with this girlfriend, um, the way you're talking about you and your husband feel about him, he'll still know you guys aren't like, oh my god, we're so excited about this relationship. You and him are not that good of actors to pull it off. He'll still know you guys are not so thrilled or ecstatic. Now, I'm hoping you are very open and kind to her. But my my point is. Even still, your son gets it. It's not like you guys are like, oh, my God, we can't wait for you to marry her and this is perfect. He'll still know. So you're not giving him this approval that this is the right relationship or 100% behind it or we think you should be with her for sure. You're just saying this is a decision you make because it's not ours to make and we love you whatever decision you make and we accept you whatever decision you make. And if someone matters to you, they matter to us. Whether or not you agree with the decision or not, we, we're going to be involved. So that's really, you know, your, for me, your place isn't to give approval or not approval anyway, or to give the stamp that he should go ahead or not. It's just that if you want to show him love, you show him love by fully accepting him, which means also accepting his relationship. And again, acceptance doesn't mean approval. I think sometimes we get, because of how the word sounds, we think even like, for example, we tell people... If you want to change yourself, you have to accept yourself. And they say, what do you mean? If I accept myself, that, mean, that means I'm going to be happy with it and not want to change. No, acceptance just means I'm okay with it as it is. I'm seeing it for what it is now, the reality. And I'm going to accept that. I'm not going to be against that. I can want to make a change in my life and still accept who I am today. And so in this case, because it's not your choice to make, you're not going to be able to make the change. But you can accept him as he is even if you don't fully agree with it and you never are if the only way we could accept people is if we agreed with everything they thought felt looked like you know every choice they made no one could accept anyone that's not possible i can accept you even if you're different from me even if i disagree with you and in this yeah. case that's what i'm saying i would hope you can do and you know give give it a chance to see okay you know but you have to you can't force it so i don't I hope you're not 
thinking just because I'm saying it could be a good idea you invite her tomorrow to come because you have to really be okay with it because it could be even worse if you guys force it to happen. But I want you to think about that possibility because to me that could be a step forward and not to scare you to think it's a step forward in their relationship, but I mean a step forward in your relationship with your son. Yeah, you're right, exactly. Yeah. I never thought that it would be like if he if, if he ever asked uh, if he can break her over, I would say okay. I always thought he would say no, but how you describe it how it just makes more sense. Mm-hmm. And he knows deep down we this is not what we want for him, but you're right, if you love him and this is part of his life, so mm-hmm. we have to accept it. That's true. But it's very hard to accept it, Doctor. I'm gonna tell you. I know I get it. Like I said, I can't it's not a force, it's not a light switch. It can't be, you know, even if I'm suggesting it to you that it, it becomes just your reality. I understand that. But you know, it, looking at this more deeply will help you too. And even, you know, you know, if you listen to me, I'm a big advocate of going to therapy and trying to understand your own um the own th- your right. things that are getting in the way of this, because we all have them is is going to be good and it's going to be better for you you know we have a fear of accepting means i'm like losing myself or losing my values or morals in some way but that's not the case accepting just means i'm more loving of all people and i could see them as having value even if i disagree with them even if i see things differently again acceptance and love doesn't mean approval and agreement it just means i can accept you even with our differences that's okay so yeah, acceptance isn't just because now we're talking about it and it sounds good, you're going to feel it. I don't. I wouldn't believe it if you told me, okay, now I fully accept her. It's going to be a process, but I want you to recognize if it can motivate you, that the more you can be accepting of her, it also means the more you can be accepting of him fully, and the more you can actually increase the closeness between you and him. So the motivating... For me, it's not about you and her being super close. I mean, that's not even the goal. But when you talk about you and him, your son, this is getting in the way. And as I said, I would be less focused on thinking about you accepting her, but you actually fully accepting your son and some of the decisions he's made, both in being with her, but also getting tattoos and maybe other things that make you feel like this is not our son or this is not, he's not like us. Well, he's definitely not supposed to be like you. He's supposed to be his own person. But there's ways that it seems like you judge him. And I'd focus more on you on you and him rather than you and her or him and her. Yes, you're absolutely right, Doc. I never, I, I honestly never thought about that. Well, I'm glad but, you know, as you can see, last time we talked, we didn't get to these things too. So we can see how it, it takes time. We have to reflect and talk about them. And that's why therapy could be beneficial to talk and new things come up the more we look at the issue. So I'm glad you, you called and we got to talk some more. I do have to wrap up the show, but appreciate okay. you calling in. Thank you so much for taking sure, my Sure, my pleasure. Nice talking to you. Take care. Nice talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we've reached the end of today's show. Again, my seminars this Sunday, May 20th, 1 to 4 p.m. at the Olympic Collection, talking about communication for parenting and relationships. Tickets are available for $40 at the door. Again, this Sunday, May 20th, 1 to 4 p.m. Hope to see you there. Thank you to all the callers and all the listeners and to Rahman here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalakwi. Have a wonderful day. (music) 